Hello, and welcome to Sobercast, where we provide AA speaker meetings and workshops in podcast format. We're an ad-free podcast, and if you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by visiting Sobercast.com, look for the donate link, and drop a dollar or two into our virtual basket. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Have a great day. My name's Terry. I'm an alcoholic. Um, this is pretty cool to be out here. You know what I mean? It, it, to do anything for Alcoholics Anonymous is, uh, it's, it, it blows my mind. You know what I mean? I, this isn't the first time that I've gotten to speak at a meeting or the first time that I've been a part of a big committee or um, something Ficky Power related, but every time um, that it happens, I get like brief glimpses of, uh, of gratitude. You know what I mean? And uh, getting dressed, you know? Getting ready to come out here with, uh, you know, my closest friends, um, I get that gratitude again. You know what I mean? And that's, that's not something that, uh, that I'm wired up with, you know, but, um, I got sober July 20th, 2009. Um, my home group's the Tampa Young People's Group. We meet Thursday nights over at 500 West Platte Street in Tampa, uh, 7.30 p.m. We got two speakers. We have cookies, coffee, tea, lemonade. You know, it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing that goes on over there. And, uh, I've got a sponsor. Um, I have the privilege of sponsoring other guys. All my sponsees are here with me tonight, which is uh, pretty neat. You know what I mean? Like these are guys that uh, all three of them, when I met them, I was like scared to talk to them. You know what I mean? Scared to 12-step them. And uh, really what I found by by just carrying the message regardless of my feelings, by, by practicing the 12-step regardless of my feelings, um, God's able to work in my life. You know what I mean? And, and I'm able to learn from these guys more than they'll ever learn from me. You know, they, they give me something that I, that I can never give back to them. And, uh, you know, my sponsor used to tell me that kind of stuff. When, when he first started sponsoring me, he would say that kind of thing. And, uh, he'd be like, you, you help me stay sober more than I help you stay sober. And, uh, I couldn't see it. You know what I mean? Having, having not carried the message to anybody, having not had a spiritual awakening yet, it's hard to see how that's possible. Um, but, uh, as time played out, you know, it, it, I, I can see that now. And, um, you know, like I said, for you guys to ask me to come out, Robert, thanks for, for asking me to come out here, man. Um, I was really surprised. You know what I mean? Like, I, I was just kind of surprised to, to be asked to do something like this. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm a member of a bit committee myself. I'm the, uh, outreach chair and the events chair for the Tampa bit. Um, so everybody that doesn't know that Tampa's bidding, that's my fault. You can see me after the meeting and tell me what to do better. Um, I'm open to that. Um, you know, but it's it's exciting. You know what I mean. We started that bid. Uh, we started that bid a few years ago. You know, and it was nuts. You know, and uh, there was a lot of times where I'd be sitting in that room and uh, thinking to myself, like, what the hell are we doing here? You know, and then uh, and then we take a trip. You know what I mean? I remember that trip that Andrew and I took. We heard about this group up in Newport Ritchie meeting at 10 o'clock, and you know, driving 45 minutes to a 10 o'clock meeting isn't my cup of tea. You know what I mean? Like that's not something that I get excited about on my own. But um. We did it anyways, you know, and uh, we said Ficky Paw, and they all kind of looked at us like confused little puppies, you know, like, what what did you say? How do you say that? And, uh, you know what I mean? And they showed up, you know, they showed up, and uh, I've gotten to know some of those guys. And, um, you know, I had the same experience. I, we went up to Gainesville, me and my girlfriend, and we they had this huge group of young people up there, and we announced, like, Ficky Paw and the Florida bit for Ficky Paw and all that, and they were just like, what are you saying? What is, what is that stuff? And, uh you know what I mean? A little bit later, a guy that was uh, bidding with another city moved up there, and he told me they were excited about it when he got there. And um, and that's crazy. You know what I mean? Just to have a small part in that is, uh, you know, that's that's pretty cool. But um, I'll get to it, man. You know, uh, I moved down to Tampa from Philly when I was like seven years old. You know, we um, I don't come from like a, a, a really 
crazy background or a really cool background, you know what I mean? Just kind of normal, by AA standards. Um, we, uh, I grew up in a little trailer with me, my mom, my dad, my sister, you know. Um, as soon as we got to Tampa, my sister started uh, gangbanging and stuff like that and doing uh, doing some pretty pretty crazy stuff. And um, my mom started taking pills and, you know, she's seeing a psychiatrist and she's getting all these pills. And, you know, my dad, he, he's just, he's a strong man, you know what I mean? He just went to work. He did everything he could to put food on the table. He got me into baseball and football when I was a little kid, and um, he never missed a practice or a game or anything like that. And uh, I was just angry. I'm not sure why. You know, I don't, I don't know why I was so angry. I'm still angry today. I think I'm just an angry guy. But um, I was angry. You know, I, I was always getting in fights after school, and um, it was weird because I, I had this like behavior of uh, a moron. But then I would go into class, and uh, I was a really smart kid. You know what I mean? I was in all the gifted classes and stuff like that. So I, I kind of had like this double life thing going on. Um, but always just feeling weird, always feeling like I don't really know what's going on. I'm just acting like I do, you know, and, uh, the only time I kind of felt any comfort or peace is, is when I was playing baseball or football. Um, I knew what I was doing there. I knew what my job was and I loved it, you know, and, um, you know, that, that gave me some advantages in life. And, uh, you know, when I was 13, I encountered liquor for the first time. Uh, me and my buddy break into his parents' liquor cabinet. We start drinking some tequila. Uh, but it didn't do it that night, you know, like I hear a lot of people that they started at about 12 or 13. The truth of the matter is, is I don't remember getting drunk that night and I definitely didn't want to drink again. You know, it, just nothing really happened. And I said, you know what, I'm an athlete and I do well in school. I'm, I'm going to keep doing that. I'm going to stay away from this stuff. Um, and uh, I didn't I didn't come across alcohol for another, you know, three or four years. I'm in high school at that point. And, uh, you know, when I was in high school, like, man, I, I had it made, you know what I mean? I had all kinds of plans and I had all the opportunities afforded to me. You know, I had, you know, an internship at a pretty cool company. Um, you know, they, they were showing me the ropes and, um, you know, I had some, I had some, uh, chances to, to go and play sports, you know, and get a free education for it and that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, I went to this party and I just got my first speeding ticket and I'm at this party and everybody there is getting drunk. Right. And, um, I'm self-centered. You know, it, it's surprising to me every time that I that I admit that. But um, I'm self-centered even back then before I started drinking. I'm self-centered. And what happened is I was watching all these guys and they could just talk to girls. They were just going up to girls and like laying it on them, you know. And I was sitting on the ground like, how do you do that? You know, I want to do that. I All I have is all my girlfriends, you know what I mean? And I'm getting catfished and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, I, I just, none of my friends, none of my friends, you know, were saying stuff like this girl in Kentucky bought me a drink cast. You know, I was the only one. And um, I wanted, I wanted a real girlfriend, you know, that I could touch. And um, so, so I'm watching these guys, like talk to these girls and I noticed that there, there was one thing in common with all of them and that's that they were drinking, you know what I mean? And there I am saying, I'm too good for that, you know? So, uh, so this guy walks by me and I, I grabbed this cup out of his hand and um, I'll tell you what, man, I'm a fighter. I love, I love scrapping with people, but this guy did not want to scrap with, he was a big guy, you know, and he, he, uh, he told me that he was going to beat the crap out of me if I didn't chug what was in the cup and I did, it was horrible. The worst thing ever, you know what I mean? I remember thinking like, why do people drink this crap? And, uh. You know, the effect didn't set in right away, but uh, he came right back like five minutes later and he said, if you drink this one, I'll pay your speeding ticket for you, you know, and I'm all about getting out of consequences, you know what I mean? Like, dad, no, got to find out. Cool, let's do it. And uh, I drank that. Last thing I remember that night, my buddy, you know, I get done drinking that. He's like, you shouldn't have done that. That was uh, Bacardi 151. And that doesn't register with me because I don't know what Bacardi 151 is. But um, I found out what that does, you know what I mean? I wake up the next morning. <laughs> next morning, I come to in a bathtub, you know, I got on just underwear and I'm covered in puke and blood and pee and heads busted up. You know, apparently I fell asleep trying to um, pee and hit my head on the toilet seat. And you know what I mean? I, I got no idea where I'm at, you know, and the head's just ringing. I'm thinking I'm never doing that again, you know? And, uh, 
I go to this baseball game. I got this big baseball tournament that morning. I walk in. My coach smells me. You know, he doesn't even, he doesn't even got to check. You know, he just smells me and cross my name off the lineup. And it was all like baseball was done. You know what I mean? Like that's the deal. Baseball was done. And, um, my dad was disappointed, you know, and I didn't want to disappoint my dad. And, uh, I remember thinking like, I'll never do that to that guy again. And, uh, you know, about six months later, senior year in high school, uh, homecoming's coming up. All my friends have girlfriends. I'm still on the interweb trying to find a girlfriend. And, uh, I show up to a party. I, I, I get this idea. If I just buy a bunch of that Smirnoff Ice stuff um, and I take it to a party, I'll get a girl drunk enough to come home, you know. And um, I get to this party and I start passing that stuff out, you know. And uh, and it's it's funny that the guy that the guy that kind of said something to me, he's sober like five five and a half years now. But um, he comes up to me and he's like, you know, it's really weird that you're passing out the booze and you're not drinking any of it. And uh, I was like, all right, you know, that I'll, I'll give it a. This, this looks better than that 151. So. Start drinking, and sure enough, that stuff's delicious, you know. And if, uh, <laughs> if you got something to say about that, see me after the meeting. But um, <laughs> tired of you guys laughing at me when I talk about this. <laughs> but um, you know, I started drinking that stuff, and it was it was it was delicious, and it was easy to drink. It tastes like Sprite, kind of. And um, you know, I was going I was going from one party to another. And, uh, man, it happened, you know, alcohol happened for me. It finally did it, you know, and, uh, you know, and on the third shot, it did it, you know, I'm sitting, I'm sitting there and, um, I don't know why Andrew had 50 cent on the radio on the way out here, but it, it brought me back to it. It made it even more vivid for me, but, um, we're sitting at the site and I got 50 cent on the radio, you know, and I got these baggy jeans and this white beater and a do rag and I'm smoking a black and mild, drinking my smear off ice. And, um, <laughs> really not that funny but, uh, <laughs> but it happened you know I caught I caught myself in the mirror there and uh, I heard this dude from California talk about this moment I caught myself in the mirror there and I thought man it, you look good you know like it's, it's going down tonight you know and uh, I told my buddy about it and um, I don't remember exactly what he said but I remember saying oh, you're drunk you got a buzz and uh, I remember thinking like man this is it I just need to stay right here forever you know what I mean like whatever I didn't know like w when I thought to myself like I don't care what it takes to keep this um, I didn't know what it was going to take to keep that you know what I mean I didn't know what I was going to like give up along the way but um, that's the deal man is I was down to give up anything good to keep that feeling because for the first time I didn't I didn't care about what my sister was doing anymore you know what I mean I wasn't worried about my you know my mom you know she's she, I can't tell you how many times we took her to the to the nut house and you know what I mean I'm visiting the nut house and stuff like that and uh come to find out some of those my dad just told me this recently and I, I'm not I don't know but um he says a lot of them were treatment centers you know what I mean there were detoxes and stuff like that I just thought they were the nut house but um I don't know that there's much of a difference, but, um, you know, he, we would go there to see her and, and that night when that feeling occurred for me, I wasn't worried about her anymore. I didn't care about whether I got to play baseball or football or any of that crap ever again. I didn't care about if I had to go online to get a girlfriend. Nothing mattered. I could finally breathe. You know what I mean? I could finally breathe, finally look somebody in the eye. I could finally just be okay, you know? And, um, and I didn't, I didn't like, I didn't start drinking every day right after that. But I did start drinking after that, you know, and that was something that I always said, like, not going to happen, not going to happen. And uh, and I did, you know, I started drinking again or I started drinking then. And, um, you know, quickly things go away. You know what I mean? Homecoming game, senior year, football. Uh, I'm on a golf course drinking with JV cheerleaders. You know what I mean? My coach is like texting me, where you at? You know, and, um, you know, I was defensive captain of that team. And I'm, not, I'm nowhere to be found. You know, I'm just out partying. And, um, you know, towards the end of the year, I. I remember this very vividly because I might still be resentful about it, but um, 
I had this AP class, and this guy cheated off me. And he ended up being the valedictorian, and I was so angry that this guy cheated off me and passed the test and everything. And uh, now he's like some big wig for a big company out in California. Um, but a couple weeks before graduation, they told me, I'm not even going to walk. You know, I'm not even going to get to graduate with my friends. And I'm like, but you don't understand. He cheated off me. I should, that should be a pass, you know. And um, <laughs> I pulled it off, you know what I mean? I did what I had to do. I went to night school, and, you know, I did just enough to get by. And uh, I got to walk, and... Um, from there, I watched all my friends go out and take on life, you know. And um, the deal was I had no idea that the mental mental obsession had already gotten its grip on me, you know. Um, I'm going out every night. I'm getting drunk. I'm putting my hands on somebody. Um, you know, it got to the point where I, I hung out with a bunch of these, like, uh, rich preppy kids. And um, I'm, I wasn't a rich preppy kid, preppy kid so... They, they don't like to get in fights, the guys that I was hanging out with, but they like to run their mouth. So they would run their mouth, and then they'd be like, Terry, here's a 12-pack, or here's a bottle. Go and fight that guy for me. And it was like a win-win situation. You know what I mean? I get to fight. I get to get drunk. This is awesome. I'm probably going to get naked later on and run around, you know. And, like, that's, that's just that's what that summer looked like, you know. And, um, and it wasn't like any of that stuff was happening behind closed doors. I was watching these guys do it right in front of my face, and I just couldn't. You know, I couldn't do it. And, um, you know, towards... Towards the end of that summer, um, I, go, I, I go back to the MySpace. You guys remember that? Um, it used to be around. Um, I get on there, and I find this girl that's got like 3,000 friends. I invite her out to a party. She shows up. We get drunk. We make a baby. Wake up the next morning. i got to figure out who she is, you know? And, um, you know, I didn't know that I had made a baby. I didn't even know what happened. Um, I'm a blackout drinker. And, uh, you know, a couple months later, she calls, you know, I'm pregnant. And I was like good for you, you know, and she's like, no, it's yours, and I was like, oh, my God, you know, and uh, I knew I wasn't ready for that, you know, and uh, I was alcoholic, man, I'm in the, I, I, I knew there was something wrong with me, I just didn't know what it was, and, um, you know, so we start to get to know each other, and uh, <laughs> the, the benefit of that was that I had a new crowd to go and, like, rob and steal and take from, you know, they were out in Palm Harbor, and, um, you know, that was, that was an easy, that, there was full of marks out there for me to go and, and steal from, you know what I mean? And, and beat up on. And, um, you know, so, so I start doing that and I'm out doing that one night and uh, I get a call to go to the hospital. I get there and, um, you know, I find out my mom's dead. And, uh, that was the first time my dad had ever hugged me or told me that he loved me or I'd ever seen him cry. He's like a Clint Eastwood fan. You know what I mean? Like he doesn't cry. He doesn't hug, you know? And, uh, First thought that goes through my head is I need to get drunk. You know what I mean? If I got to put my finger on like when I think alcoholism really had its had its you know grips on me, I think that might have been it. But um, I don't know. You know what I mean? I don't know that I was born alcoholic. I don't know that's hereditary. When I came in AA, I kept hearing that it was hereditary, so I did a family tree. Nobody in the family's alcoholic, so uh, you know. But then I went back to the doctor's opinion, and whatever. Um, but uh, you know, so. So mom's dead, and I, I just, anytime anybody questioned my actions, I said, my mom died, get off my back, you know. And um, I just kept ripping and running harder and harder and harder, you know. And uh, I'll skip all the crap because you guys all know it. You know, you guys all know the, the story, the, the downhill descent, you know, whatever you want to call it. But, um, you know, by the time, uh, about four years ago, you know, that's when it, that's when it really started to, to happen in my life. Um, I had taken, up, taken off to Philadelphia to sober up. Without AA, got drunk within 24 hours, spent about 10 months up there, came running back to Tampa with my tail between my legs. And um, a couple months after that, um, I come out of this blackout on like a three-day binge, and I call my mom's best friend for some comfort or something of, of that sort. I don't know. But uh, the most important conversation I ever had in my life took place that morning. Um, my mom's best friend's husband answered the phone, right? And uh, he, he, he was asking me what was wrong, and I said, Joe, you know, I need to get a an apartment and I need to get some more money and stuff like that. 
And he said, tell me about your drinking. And I don't know why, but I was, I was as honest as I could possibly get at that point with somebody about it for the first time ever. And um, Joe said, Terry, it sounds to me like you're alcoholic. And I was like, yeah, probably. And he goes, cool, me too. Um, I've been sober for 22 years in Alcoholics Anonymous. I went to 90 meetings in 90 days. I got a sponsor. I got a home group. I got active in service. Since then, I've sponsored guys, blah, 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 all that crap, you know. And um, I remember he, at the end of it, he said, so so what are you going to do? And I said, Joe, I think I'm going to go to one of those meetings tonight, but I don't know if they have them in Tampa. And uh, <laughs> they do. Um, you know, and he knew that. You know, he knew that. He had been down here. When he would come down to visit, he would sneak off. And I thought he was going to the bar, but come to find out, he was going to AA meetings, you know. And um, he said, yeah, they do. He told me about this clubhouse over on Columbus that uh, I ended up getting sober and whenever it was time. But, um, you know, at the end of the conversation, I said, yeah, Joe, I'm going to go to a meeting tonight. You know what I mean? I think I'll give that a shot. And uh, hung up the phone. I looked over. There's still some rum left in the bottle. And that's easier. You know, so I just kept on drinking. Um, about a week later, I come out of a blackout with a bunch of cops chasing me. I'm on my friend's motorcycle. I'm having to read exit signs on the road to figure out what state I'm in. Turns out it's South Carolina, and uh, you know what I mean. I'm, I don't like life as it is. You know what I mean. Like me and life don't don't get along too good. I've been trying to get out of this thing for a while, and uh, I just thought to myself, like, let's end it. You know what I mean. And uh, you know, it's just another attempt. You know, failed, um, or I guess not failed. Failed in my eyes, but God did His thing that night. And uh, you know, I wake up, they take me off the jail, and I'm pissed. You know, I detox on this jail jail cell floor. Um, and then whenever I get done detoxing, I got this uh, this roommate that's doing fed time up in Ocala now. And, uh, you know, he's a gnarly dude. And we were sharing war stories. And uh, I told him about that conversation with that guy, Joe. And he would always tell me, he said, Terry, you should go see those AAs when you get out of here. And I'd be like, you should just go to prison and leave me alone, you know. And, um, you know, eventually they let me out of there because, uh, because I didn't live in South Carolina. They just kicked me out. They said, as long as you're not here, we're happy. You know, if we find you here, you're doing 10 years. And, um, you know, I got out of there and. Uh, I had all the intentions in the world of staying sober. I'm making all those promises, and I've been making those promises for years at this point. And um, I get out. Um, you know, my friend in, was up in Savannah, Georgia, and, uh, you know, the first night she, she was in the Army, and um, they're going to go out to party. You know what I mean? they got a babysitter. The guy that just got out of jail is going to watch the babies while they go out and party. But they were pre-gaming at the house, and um, they brought Jameson and Yingling. And, uh, you know what I mean? Like, not to get too specific, but I love Jameson and Yingling. I graduated from the Smirnoff Ice to whiskey and dark beer. But, um, you know, they were drinking that stuff. And I remember I'm sitting there like, don't drink, don't drink, don't drink. And I'm pacing in the room. And, I, you know, I don't, I, I can't stand God. Um, and I don't, I don't really know if he existed at that point or not. But I was walking back and forth. And I was like, if you're real, I hate you. But please help me. You know what I mean? And I'm saying that out loud. And uh, people are looking at me like, what's wrong with him? You know, my friend would be like, he's trying not to drink. And they'd be like, that's not the right way, you know. And, um, you know, I did that all night. And I didn't drink that night. And the next night, same deal. And then we come down here for my sister's 30th birthday party. And, uh, man, it was a cool scene. You know what I mean? She turned her life around. She got a spiritual advisor. And I remember when she did that, I made fun of her. You know, like, oh, you're lame. And, uh. Kind of find out a sponsor is exactly what she has. You know what I mean? Like she, her spiritual advisor is just like my sponsor. But, um, you know, she's she's got a beautiful life now. She's got wonderful friends, good people. They never put their hands on anybody. They don't know what it feels like to get shot at. You know, they don't stuff like that. And um, I'm not drinking, you know, and a bunch of my friends that come to walking me home. And I'm telling them, all them I'm not drinking. I tell the bartender I'm not drinking. And, um, you know, about a couple hours into it. I get that feeling, you know what I mean? My head's always talking. I, it's it's talkative, you know, it doesn't shut up. But um, when it starts to get loud, you know, it gets unbearable, you know, and uh, it got loud. And then the thought came across my mind, like, I know how to shut this up. Let's just go get a drink, you know, just get it over with. Only have two. It's been six and a half months. 
You can have two. It won't be a big deal. You know, you know not to get too too crazy. Stay away from the whiskey, all that kind of stuff. And uh, I go, I get a Bud Light, and it happened, man. The phenomenon of craving kicked in again. You know what I mean? And within a couple hours, you know, there's this picture from that party. Um, I got like four bottles of whiskey in my hand. And my plan was to take them back and, you know, keep the party going all night. And, uh, you know, I end up leaving there, and I get kicked out of this bar that nobody ever has ever been kicked out of, you know. And I was talking to my buddy. He told me that he puked on a bartender there once. And they gave him another drink. You know, that's what kind of bar this place is. I walk in and they're like, get out, you know. And uh, I went out and I, I showed them what I thought of them. I peed all over the door and I screamed some things like, don't you know who I am? They didn't know who I was because I've been in jail in South Carolina for a while. And, um, you know, the next day I wake up, man, it's, it's just like the first time that alcohol really kicked my ass. I'm, you know, in a bathtub again. You know, like, where am I? What happened? You know, and uh, if, I'll tell you what, it wasn't the first time that I thought to myself, like, I don't ever want to drink again. Definitely not the first time that thought's crossed my mind. There was just something a little stronger about it that day. You know what I mean? There was there was something there, and um, I, I, I knew that God and sobriety, happiness, and all that good stuff had something to do with each other. I just didn't know that the 12 steps were like the connection between it all. And, um, you know, I went another couple weeks just praying, you know, pacing every room that I'm in praying. And... Um, when I was like 20, this guy had given me every opportunity to get ahead of life. He gave me a great job. He like he gave me opportunities for advancement within his company. He gave me toys, you know what I mean, just it, responsibility, all that stuff. And I just threw it in his face time and time again. And um, within like in a four-year period, he fired me 38 times. And um, that's a lot, you know. He just kept taking me back. He had an interest in me, but he heard about my situation, and he offered me a job again, you know. Um, making a very, you know, minimal wage and uh, told me, come down here, you know, find a place to stay. I'll put you to work. You'll be able to get back on your feet. And I said, okay. And I get down here. My dad pays for a, a room at a crack motel for a week. And, um, you know, I got the guy over here. He's offering me heroin. The one over here wants to smoke crack with me. And I'm just like, I'm, I just don't want to drink, you know, and uh, going nuts, you know, and I'm calling all my friends, you know, I'm like finding change places. I'm going to the pay phone and calling all my friends and nobody's answering, you know what I mean? Or they hear my voice and I hear them hang up, you know? And, uh, you know, I'm just I'm lonely, you know, I'm scared. I know I'm going to drink again. And, uh, you know, it came to a head, man, where, where I knew it was, it was, it was, it was drink or something had to change, you know? And I, I dialed a phone number that I hadn't dialed in over six years. This guy got sober when we were about 20 years old and, um, he answered the phone, you know, and I said, Hey, Stan, I need to get sober, man. He said, I don't care what you need to do. Do you want to get sober? And I didn't know what the difference was. I don't know that I know what the difference is now, but, um, you know, he, he asked where I was at and I told him and he said he'd call me back and instead he, um, he did what I've learned to do and he just showed up, you know what I mean? He pulled up there and uh, he wasn't the same guy that I, that I knew six years before. I'll tell you that right now. Um, there was a different man standing before me. I could barely recognize him. Um, but, uh, he, he said he wanted to show me something, you know what I mean? And, uh, and I didn't know what that was. I had no idea what was about to happen to me, you know, but I got in the car and I went with him. And uh, he took me over to this, this Sunday night speakers meeting that had just started up in Tampa. We walked in a little late, and there was this old cat from Kentucky up there talking. And he's this big, heavy set guy. You guys probably know him. But I'm um, happiest dude I've ever seen in my life, you know. And that guy was up there, and he's talking about his drinking. And I remember thinking, walking in, there, that, guy, that guy don't know nothing about me. How could he possibly understand me? And uh, somewhere in there, with all the chatter going on in my head, you know, I had seen the 12 Steps once before. Um, this doctor up in Philly that had seen me for three times in the same week. Um, he had told me that I might have a drinking problem and that I should go to an AA meeting. And I walked into the room and I seen the people. They looked just like you guys looked tonight before the meeting where they were talking and smiling and laughing and that kind of weird stuff. And, um, you know, I saw the 12 steps scroll on the wall and I was like, I saw God on there and I was like, I'm out of here. These people aren't anything like me. And, um, you know, so I walk into that meeting and I see that same scroll and I'm like, oh, God, here we go. You know, 
this old guy's up there, you know, he's got overalls on, for God's sakes. And, uh, you know what I mean? But through all my self-centeredness and all that chatter in my head, something about the way he drank, you know, I heard it that night. You know what I mean? I heard it and I remember thinking, maybe, you know, maybe. And at the end of the meeting, they offered the chips. And uh, that guy that took me to that meeting, he pretty much pushed me out of my seat and made me go get a white chip. And uh, I did. You know, I went up there. I got the white chip. And uh, I sat back down. And, you know, then we said the Lord's Prayer, all that stuff that we do in meetings. And the whole time I'm just thinking, there's no way this is it. There's no way this is the answer to my problems, you know. And um, I get outside, and I'm out there. I'm trying to look busy just smoking cigarettes by myself. And, um, you know, Lloyd came up to me. And uh, he just said, hey, man, I'm Lloyd. I'm an alcoholic. Welcome to Ed, you know. And uh, a couple other guys came up and did the same thing. One of them was my sponsor today, you know. And uh, I remember thinking, like, these guys don't get it. You know, what happened is we go to see we go to see one of their friends. He had been in a, um, a terrible moped accident and shattered his leg, you know. And uh, on the way over there, we're packed in this car. There's heavy metal on. And, uh, you know, I'm thinking I'm, I'm listening to heavy metal in a car with a bunch of goofy white guys going to see a guy that got in a moped accident and shattered. It's like, what the hell did my life come to, you know? And, um, meanwhile, I forget that my life looks something like I'm staying in a crack motel that I'm getting kicked out of in four days, and all I got to my name is a box of clothes and nobody that I'll answer the phone, you know? And um, them guys took me over there, and uh, they had all been sober for a few years, but the guy that crashed his moped, he had like six months. And when he said that, it, I could wrap my head around that. I could believe that. I thought Lloyd was lying when he told me that he had a few years. And um, honestly, you know, I can't believe that. How, how, how can you stay sober for a few years? You're not like me if you can stay sober for a few years. You know, you just, you, you don't got what I got. Or you're lying. One of the two, you know. And, um, but I could wrap my head around, around that, that guy in the hospital bed. And he seemed pretty happy, you know. And uh, he had a little kid running around the room, man. And that little kid said something to the effect of, uh, I love my dad and I love hanging out with my dad. You know, I hadn't seen my kid in a year and a half. You know, and I remember thinking, I want what these people have. At that moment, I wanted what they had. And um, little did I know that all I had to do was just start chasing them around. You know what I mean? Just doing what they do. And um, I did against my own will. You know, um, at four days sober, a guy a guy took me into his house. He had an extra room, and he, he took me into his house. He was a, he was my grand sponsor at the time, and um, he showed me how to live. You know, he showed me how to wake up. He showed me you brush your teeth in the morning, and you shower frequently, and uh, you know. You, pack lunch so you're not spending all your money on selfish crap and stuff like that and uh, he would give me a ride to work if I was willing to go to work three and a half hours early if not I had to walk a mile to the bus you know and um, guys would pick me up from work you know I would call my sponsor I remember one time I called my sponsor right and I'm like hey man I can't make it to a meeting tonight I called some people nobody can come pick me up and he goes oh really that's funny and I said yeah why and he goes uh Lloyd's sitting outside waiting for you right now and I looked out the window, Lloyd's sitting there in his Jeep, you know. And I was like, oh, shit, that guy again, you know. And uh, <laughs> I got in his car, though, and I was like, hey, can I smoke in here? And he was like, I love smoking in the Jeep. And, you know, I was, I, I love Lloyd's Jeep after that. You know what I mean? I was down to ride anywhere. And, um, <laughs> you know, I went to my first Vicky Pot, like 21 days sober, something like that. And uh, I get down there, you know what I mean? It, you guys scared the hell out of me. And uh, I was like, no, oh, my God, I can't talk to people. Are you kidding me? And they made me... Uh, my first sponsor, he comes outside. I'm standing outside of the karaoke thing on Friday night. He comes out and he grabs me. He's like, hey, they need you inside. I'm like, why do they need me, you know? And he pulls me up on stage and he hands me the microphone. He's like, ice, ice, baby, do it. And I was like, what? You know? And uh, I did and I was pissed, you know? I was just angry. <laughs> Give me the hell out of this Vicky Paw crap, you know? The next weekend, uh, you know, me and one of my pigeon brothers, um, we decided to go up to New Orleans for Circuit Pop, you know? And, um, and Andrew jumped in the car. And uh, I hated him to death, so bad. I was trying to get I was trying to get my pigeon brother to leave him at the gas stations. Come to find out, he was trying to get my pigeon brother to leave me at the gas stations. 
And, um, you know what I mean? We went out to, I don't know if you guys were there. There wasn't much happening. So we ran around Bourbon Street for a little bit. And then uh, we went to the casinos and stuff like that. Just a bunch of craziness. I don't know how the hell we didn't drink. But um, me and Andrew went and got breakfast one morning. Started to develop a relationship that I don't deserve. I'm not the kind of guy that deserves to have close friends for numerous years. You know what I mean? I, I, I don't have that. And, uh, you know, I got back and um, got busy in the steps. Um, I left a bunch of stuff off my fist step. And I still wanted to drink. And I heard all these people talking about it. After I did my fist step, the weight of the world was lifted off me. And I could look people in the eye and never wanted to drink again. And I'd be like, not me. You know, what happened? And, uh, you know what I mean? That kind of... Just like anything else in AA, you know, give it enough time and it'll, it'll, it'll start to work. And it started to work on me. And, uh, you know, I got a new sponsor and, um, you know, that guy, uh, we sat down once a week. We read through the big book. We reached a step and we took the step. We talked about it. We shared our experience. Nothing about our stories is alike. You know what I mean? He's a rich kid from Davis Island. Never been in a fight in his life. Um, you know, I'm a broke kid from the trailer park. All I like to do is fight and peel myself. And, um, but he, he, he talked about, he talked about this idea that like he would, he would make plans. He would have goals. I'm going to go do this. And he just couldn't get off the couch to do it. You know what I mean? And then he'd start to drink a little bit and he would get some hope. You know what I mean? Like it'll be all right tomorrow. Tomorrow we'll go get him. And I, I remember thinking like, yeah, I get that. And then he would talk, he, he told me about, uh, how he'd start to drink and he'd get this feeling of ease and comfort, this peace that would like kind of come over him. And then he would think to himself, uh, if I stop drinking, that feeling's going to go away. He would continue to drink, and then he'd overshoot the mark. And I remember thinking, like, I get that. You know, I, I can wrap my head around that stuff, and uh, I can relate to him on that. You know what I mean? And just on that trust, I could tell that guy anything. You know what I mean? So when we got to my fourth and fifth step, um, I was all right with it. You know what I mean? I was ready to go. I was ready to feel better. I just wanted to feel better, you know? And uh, we did that. I went home um, to sit quietly for an hour and review what I had done there, fell asleep. Woke up, called him, told me to do it again. Fell asleep, woke up, called him, told, told me to do it again. And I finally got it done and uh, called him up, told him some, some of the stuff that I had forgotten about. And uh, we moved on through the steps. And um, I got into the amends process. The first amends that I made was uh, to the police officer that, that chased my ass all over South Carolina that night. You know, And I called that guy and I, I told him who I was. And he goes, yeah, I remember you. And uh, didn't seem too happy to be hearing from me. But uh, I did, I did, I did the immense process as well as I could at that point in time. You know what I mean? I explained to him that I was an Alcoholics Anonymous now. That uh, in order for me to overcome drinking, I had to, uh, I had to admit to my wrongs and I had to ask what I could do to make it right. And um, he said, "You just stay an Alcoholics Anonymous and stay sober." And uh, he said, "I'm really proud of you and thank you so much for calling me and doing that." And um, that right there is what launched me into the night step. You know what I mean? Just that experience by itself, I was ready to keep going. You know what I mean? And um, I did. Uh, eventually, um, you know, eventually I made amends to my sister, you know, and uh, we sat down, we talked. I admitted all that, all that rotten stuff that I had done to her, you know, worst of all, just not being a brother, you know, not being a brother for years. And uh, when I asked her what I could do to make it right, she said, could you just be my brother? And uh, we tried to do that to the best of my ability. And she's, uh, she's planning a wedding right now. She's getting married. And uh, she asked me to, to be a part of her wedding. You know, I get to be in the wedding and um that's huge to me. You know what I mean? That is, that that just that means more to me than so much else. And um, you know, I made amends to my dad, and my dad, you know, he shared some stuff with me that you know that he had he had never wanted to talk to me again at one point. Now he was so proud of me, you know, and he he was so happy that that I was around. And um, you know, one night my sponsor was dropping me off at home. It's like eleven o'clock at night, and um, I don't drive. You know, I didn't drive till I was two and a half years sober. You know, um, 
And he was dropping me off and he said, what are you going to do with your life? You know, and I said, I don't know. I kind of like not doing anything strenuous, you know. And uh, <laughs> he suggested that I find a school and I get an education and stuff like that. And um, I did, you know what I mean? And, and for nine months, people drove me to Pinellas Park from Tampa to go to school. And um, at the end of that, um, I don't know how the hell this was possible, but I graduated with like a 4.0, you know. And, um, my class asked me to speak at the graduation in front of their friends and family. That's not because I'm good or cool or anything like that. That's because Alcoholics Anonymous had been working in my life the whole time. I was, I was working full-time. I went to school full-time. I sponsored guys. I had a little kid that I was getting back in his life. I had a girlfriend. All kinds of stuff, you know what I mean? And, and I remember I'd always get this thought, like, something's got to go. And for a guy like me, AA is the first thing to go because there's a lot of uncomfortable stuff going on there. You know what I mean? There's, like, this this identification of character defects and inventory and admission of being wrong and having to help other people, which is not something I'm interested in. But um, I did it. And, uh, you know, I, I had that experience. My sponsor showed up to my uh, graduation. Um, my family was there. My, my girlfriend was there. Greg and Andrew were assholes. Um, and uh, you know what I mean? Like, it, it was a really cool experience that I got to have that day. And, um, you know, from there, I, uh, I don't know. You know what happened with this Tampa bid? is at my home group, we were having an argument about how often we should have business meetings and argue. And um, one of the points was, uh, one of the points was like, it builds fellowship. And I remember thinking, like, I just hate you people after this. I don't know how that's fellowship. But um, I decided, you know what? We want some more unity. Let's start a bid, you know. And um, we started a bid. And a bunch of guys from Pinellas County showed up. You know what I mean? I remember thinking, like, oh, man, you know, God, they talk a lot. And, uh, you know, <laughs> They were awesome. You know what I mean? They were there. They taught me a lot about myself, you know, and, um, and we started bidding. You know what I mean? It was, it was crazy. You know, I didn't know what the hell we were doing. They let me chair the thing, and I remember thinking, like, you guys know I don't know what to do, right? And, uh, you know, we did it, and then uh, the next year we did it again. You know what I mean? We went back for it again, and uh, I, I just got too self-centered. You know what I mean? I had better things to do than, uh, than deal with the uncomfortable part of bidding, and I left the bid. And, um I regretted it. You know what I mean? I couldn't tell anybody that, you know, except for my sponsor. He knew what was going on in my head, but, um, but I regretted it and I, I watched them do everything. And, uh, and then this year, you know, I got duped into bidding. Um, I, I went with my girlfriend. She's on the big committee, right? And she's like, Hey, we're going to go hang out, but we got to stop by and do this meeting. And I was like, yeah, sure. I'll hang out with you there. And, uh, they were like, Oh, we need an outreach chair. And I was like, what? And, uh, you know, somehow I walk out of there like the outreach chair of the committee and, uh, Really, what was going through my head was sweet. They let me back. You know what I mean? Like, they let me do something. Like, that's pretty awesome. And, uh, I got this little kid today, man. Um, he does this thing that blows my mind. Um, whenever I see him, we, we went, and he, he tested for one of his belts at Taekwondo. And I showed up there, and he saw me from across the room, and he sprinted. And he just, like, launched at me. You know what I mean? He's eight now, so he's, like, almost taking me out. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I catch him, and, like, I just wanted to cry. You know what I mean? Like, that. that's... That's crazy. I wasn't there for the kid. You know what I mean? And he, he's, he's cool with me now. And that's wild enough. You know, I got this, I got this family back. I got my driver's license back. It was nuts. You guys should see my driver's license picture. I was like, they went to take it and I'm crying. You know, and the guy's like, what's the big deal? And I'm like, you don't, you don't understand. You know, if you were an AA, you'd get it. You know, if you were an alcoholic, you know what I, what this feels like, you know, and, uh, the third try finally, I'm like, you know, <laughs> they got the girls got some funny name for it. I don't know what it is, but um, 
you know, they finally, they finally uh, get the picture taken, you know what I mean? And I'm just like standing outside waiting for my ride. Like, I got a license. It was crazy. People in A have been driving my ass all over the place. I, I went to Port St. Lucie on a Wednesday night to speak at a nine o'clock meeting for 10 minutes. You know what I mean? I remember on the way down there, like, this is bullshit. And, uh, I got down there, man, and it was cool, you know? And then I went to Cocoa Beach on a Tuesday night, nine o'clock. Um, same guy drove me over there. You know what I mean? Like, drove me on a Tuesday night. He's got to work in the morning. He has a real job, you know? And, uh, you know, drove me all the way over there to talk for 10 minutes, you know? And, uh, and then I get my license and I'm like, finally, you know what I mean? And then I realized, like, oh, you got to get a car. You're still bumming rides, but, you know? <laughs> and, uh, you know, one of my closest friends, um, he was driving me home from a meeting one night and, uh, he says, you know, I'm thinking about selling my car. And I said, Oh, you, you should tell it to me and let me make payments. Ha, ha, ha. And he, ha, 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 you know. And then like two days later, he calls me and he's like, hey, I was thinking about what you said. You know, what can we do? And uh, I remember like I broke the bank to go get that car. Like, I didn't give a damn about any kind of financial responsibility. I was like, give me all the money that I have right now. Going get this car. <laughs> you don't understand. You know, like I go and I get that car and I get a license plate on it and I have car insurance. And now I have this driver's license and everything's legal. You know what I mean? Cops are getting behind me, and first five or six times, I'm freaking out. And uh, after that, I'm like, I got my papers. You know, I'm good. And, uh, you know, I get to drive around now. That's crazy. Like, there's times where I get in my car, and before I can even hit the ignition, I start crying. You know, nobody knows about them because I'm by myself. Uh, I can't show you guys that stuff. But, um, you know, like, that's the deal, man, is I get overwhelmed with gratitude that, that I, I, I didn't know what gratitude was. I didn't, you know what I mean? Like, I, I didn't know that stuff happened. And, uh. You know, I get to drive that car around and um, pick guys up, you know what I mean, give back what was given to me, you know. And uh tell you the biggest thing, man. Um, there's a guy here tonight. I met him at a meeting. He was he was a mess. He couldn't look anybody in the eyes. He couldn't put a sentence together. It was just a stuttering, babbling mess. Come to find out, he owns a telemarketing company. I remember thinking, are you sure, you know. And uh, he was just that, that messed up, you know. And... Um, <laughs> I didn't have a phone at the time because I was doing really good at life. And um, it's like over a year sober, you know. I got a job. I just can't pay my bills. And, um, you know, I tell the guy, like, hey, give me your number. I'm going to have a phone this weekend, and I'll call you. And I didn't, you know. It was like a few days after that, and I called him finally. And he was like, hey, man, I've been waiting for you to call me. And, um, you know, I kind of, me and this other guy, like, cornered him. And we were like, you got a sponsor? And he's like, no. Who, who should I ask to sponsor me? And we were like, we're right here. Pick one, you know. And, uh <laughs> That's how I roll. And, um, you know, and, uh, you know, so, so I call him and, and we get to work. You know what I mean? We get to work. We work through the steps and, um, he's at my home group one night and at the end of the meeting they ask who's available to sponsor. The guy's hand went up in the air and I broke me in half. You know what I mean? Just one of the most emotional periods of my life. And, uh, I, I remember thinking, like, God, that guy was such a mess, you know? And now he's got this message that he can carry to somebody and help somebody with, you know? And um, I've gotten the opportunity to do that with, with you know, other guys, too, you know, and they don't all stay. I remember at one point, the, the guys I hung out with, we used to be really big on, like, how many guys you sponsoring? You sponsor guys? You sponsoring anybody? Go sponsor somebody. Sponsor somebody. Blah, 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 you know? And, um, you know what I mean? Like, all these guys I'm sponsoring, like, the weekend, they're like, you know, hey, I need you to go to court and tell the judge that I've been sober, you know? And I'm like, no, you know, and uh, mm -hmm. stuff like that and just getting frustrated with it. And um, there's a story about Bill that I, I can relate to because – it finally dawned on me, like, they, they might not have been sticking around or staying sober, but they were getting the seed of Alcoholics Anonymous planted in them, and I was staying sober. 
And, uh, you know, this thing that we got, I don't know, you know, for the guy that's four days sober, Jesus, welcome to Alcoholics Anonymous, man. You know, I don't know if it's your first time in or you're coming back or whatever. It doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Um, you know, I know coming out of Alcoholics Anonymous doesn't look like it works, and I take it for granted. And then I hear stories like Bill Wilson at six and a half months sober getting tired of trying to help guys. You know what I mean? They just all keep getting drunk. They're killing themselves in his basement. They're setting shit on fire. And he tells his wife, like, I'm done. You know what I mean? I'm done with this. Nobody's staying sober. And she goes, but you are, you know. And uh, I appreciate that moment because I'm not here today if she doesn't have that to say. You know what I mean? I might not be here today. 6,000 years this shit's been going on. Nobody's got an answer for it. And uh, for whatever reason, whether he was hallucinating, detoxing, or God really stepped in, I don't care. Something happened, and uh, we have what we have today, and it's not something to be taken for granted even though I do it. And um, I try to do my best at, at giving back to Alcoholics Anonymous. I try to be available and helpful and try to show up, you know, on time to things and show up to my home group and, and be helpful. And I, I fail at it constantly. But um, this thing that I got, man, you know what I mean? I, I can only imagine what my dad would feel like right now or my sister or my son or my friends, you know. I'm not – I'm not – I don't think I have any chances left out there. You know what I mean? I know I could get drunk again. I proved, you know, I haven't, I've, I haven't picked up the drink, but I've gotten so damn close. I might as well have. You know what I mean? Like I just stopped doing everything in AA. The next thing I know, I wonder why I'm laying in bed under the covers, shaking. You know what I mean? Wanting to drink. And uh, every time that happens, you know, I call my sponsor and it's the same answer: take, take an inventory of yourself, see what's going on, let's get to work, and we do. And uh, I get to come out here tonight. But um, you know what I mean? This thing. This thing gave my family a life beyond their wildest dreams. Never mind what it gave me. You know what I mean? Never mind what it, I never would have thought. Stay in AA for three and a half years, sponsor some guys, do some service work, pick up some cigarette butts, blah, 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 blah. This is where your life's going to be. Because if you told me this is where my life was going to be, I'd say that's lame. I don't want anything to do with that. I'd rather rob people, you know? At least in jail, I don't got to worry about paying rent or what I'm going to eat for dinner. You know, like that's easy to do. Um, what I got here, not not so easy to do. It takes a lot of work. Um, that's why a lot of the, a lot of people I see them come in and out of Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, you see them one time, don't remember them, and uh, it's because there's a lot of hard work to be done here. Um, but it's very simple. And uh, you know, the the thing the thing about the thing about um, about this whole thing for me is that I woke up today, I went to work, came home from work, sat on my butt for a little bit. Got ready. A bunch of my friends show up, get in the car. We come out here, hang out for a little bit. I come up here. I haven't once today thought I need to take a drink. That's something that is so completely foreign to me. And I, I, everything else that AA gives me is great. It's, it's like the icing. The cake is the fact that I don't need to drink today. That is the most important thing that Alcoholics Anonymous has given me. You can disagree with that. You can have your own opinion. I understand. But to me, the, that compulsion, the shit that I gave up, to drink. The fact that I don't have to do that anymore is the biggest thing in my life today. It's the most amazing thing in my life today. And, uh, you know, it's because of you guys. You guys showed me that. You know what I mean? The people that came here before me, the people that came here after me, I hear your stories. I hear the crazy stuff that you've been through. I thought I had gone through some crazy stuff. I just watched one of my closest friends go through two of the most heartbreaking incidences, like a month apart. You know what I mean? And I got to be there for that guy, you know? And, uh, and then and watch him kind of be able to breathe again, you know. And um, that's huge to me, you know what I mean. Two of the uh, 
Two of my closest friends, they just, they were at an AA meeting. I was taught, if you don't know them, go say hi to them. And, uh, I did that. I told them about my home group. I pretty much dragged them to my home group. Um, you know, and introduced them to people there. They're two of my closest friends today. I don't want to, no, I'm getting close. I want to tell this one story, um, and then I'll, I'll, I'll shut up and we can go look for stuff. Um, but, uh, Vicky Pond out in Orlando, um, was that a couple years ago, right? Um, on the way out there, um, I called my sponsor and I, I say, uh, you know, what, Give me something to do this weekend. Otherwise, I'm just going to be chugging Red Bulls and running around like a freak, you know. And um, he was like, well, do this. Do what you do at your home group. If you don't know somebody, go up to them and introduce yourself and talk to them. So, all right, easy enough. You know what I mean? Um, AA taught me how to do that. You know, I couldn't do that before. But standing in the greeting line of my home group, I learned how to do it, you know. And uh, I was doing that, right? And at like 3 in the morning, um, Friday night, I walk out there. And uh, there's this girl standing all by herself. And... Uh, one trying a 13 step or nothing. I just went to, hi, how you doing? You're alone, I'm alone. You know, nothing weird. Um, <laughs> can't say I haven't done that before, you know. I fell in love in alcohol it's time, it's like that. But, um, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I'm talking to that girl, and, uh, you know, she's she just seemed okay, you know. And then the next night, I get duped into doing the door at the big meeting, like holding the door open for everybody. I got tricked into it by Spencer from Orlando. And, um <laughs> That clown. Um, but I'm standing there and I'm, I'm doing my thing. You know what I mean? Just like at, at my home group. Um, you know, just just a little tip for you guys: if you stick your hand in somebody's stomach, their natural reaction is to shake your hand. So I do that. You know what I mean? If I ever poke you in the belly button, it's not weird. I'm just trying to shake your hand. And um, I'm doing that. And that girl I was talking to the night before, she's standing at the other door, and uh, there was like a little break of people. And she's like, "How do you do that?" You know? And I was like, "Do what?" And and it didn't click with me. You know how hard that is for a self-centered person. And I told her. And, uh, you know, she starts doing it. And then I told her about what my sponsor told me. And um, she was like, man, that's crazy, you know. So uh, later that night, again, like 2, 3 in the morning, I go out there. Um, I see this I see this girl standing by herself. And I'm like, gosh, here we go again, you know. And uh, I, I'm headed over there. And that chick, she beelines and gets to her first. And I was like, oh, what the hell, man, you know. All right, that's cool. And then I was talking to her later on. And um, she started crying. And she was like, I've never been able to do that. Thank you so much. And that's not me. I didn't do that. My sponsor did it, you know, and somebody probably taught him that. And I thought she was new. You know what I mean? Like she was like trembling, scared like she's new. And I was like, oh, it's cool. You know, everybody's like that whenever they're pretty new. How long do you got? She's like four and a half years. And I was like, holy shit, you know, <laughs> there's something wrong. But um, you know what I mean? Like you never know when it's going to happen. You never know when Alcoholics Anonymous is going to happen. And you're going to be able to share a message with somebody else. And I try to be as open and available to people as possible. I'm, I'm human, so I have defects and I get shut down. But any time that I can open myself up to another alcoholic, God can get in my life. A little bit, you know what I mean? And I, I'm not a guy that's wired up with, like, this God consciousness. That's the only way God can get into my life is through you guys. So thank you so much for giving me God. Thank you so much for giving me sobriety and for letting me come out here tonight. I hope we all have fun, and uh, I'll see you out there. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Sobercast is ad-free, and we'd like your help in order to keep it that way. So if you'd like to help us be self-supporting by pledging a dollar to a month, visit Sobercast.com and look for the donate links. Thank you very much.